when I was a young boy, I spent a lot of my free time causing trouble. There was a day we decided to build a wall of snow across the road just to be a pain in the butt to drivers. Yeah, that was me. In fact, my collaborator in much of this at those ages was that friend of mine that I spoke of in that Mountain of Regret episode a number of months back. But the problem with me having this attitude and causing so much trouble was that I was not a brave kid. I was really basically scared at all times. I was very scared of being caught, very scared of not having friends, scared of basically everything. And this fear has been a significant contributor to the anxiety that I've developed growing up. But this isn't about that. It's about fear and being driven by fear and how far-reaching fear can be. And it's been a constant theme for me. In the case of the snow wall, we had barely finished when a car approached from down the hill and we all scattered. There were several other kids involved, not just my friend and I, and we ran everywhere except me. My fear turned into panic and all I could muster was to collapse down on the ground right near the bushes, right along the side of the road, right there next to the snow wall. And then this is where the story gets a little odd Uh, First of all, on the topic of interpreting messages from the patterns and coincidences that we see in life, which is something I mentioned in the previous episode, the car that approached, and we knew the neighborhood and we knew the people, so we knew that that driver in that car was the obstetrician who delivered me. (laughs) There's a heck of a message I could take from that for sure. The weird part of this was that all I did was collapse into a panic-stricken ball right where I stood, hidden from one side by a, a, a row of bushes, but totally exposed to the road on the other side of me. And I apparently disappeared. I have had a number of panic attacks in my life, and they don't all look the same. I had a heck of a panic attack, actually, in the middle of 9th Ave at 57th Street in New York City. It is a story I will almost certainly tell, and it was amazing that I survived it. Now, to be clear, I'm not entirely certain that I disappeared, in all honesty. For many years, I presumed I was abducted by aliens, and for real. And here's the simple reason why I'm not clear on this point, or wasn't for many, many years. The car stopped, and I believe the driver got out, actually. I have a vague memory of hearing his voice. I'm just not sure because uh, my senses just shut down. But considering where I collapsed to the ground, I should have totally have been seen, right? (laughs) Not only should I have been seen right there in plain sight, but when I came out of it, the other kids were nowhere to be found. And, you know, not expected, right? Because we, we all scattered, but I just assumed that, that they had just, they were just tucked away, hiding. But there was no one anywhere. And the snow wall had been fully cleaned up, dismantled, cleared from the road. And that must have taken some time. It took several minutes for me to gather my full set of senses And I eventually headed back to my friend's house to be greeted with surprised concern. My God, Craig, where where were you? What happened to you? He said to me, the question didn't make sense, right? I didn't go anywhere. But then he told me that several people had been looking for me for three hours. 
I still get chills thinking about that. And, and I want to take a moment, actually, for a particular point. It's as good a time now as any to mention. And that is that every story in this podcast, all up to this is the 40th episode. <laughs> Interesting. Every one of them is true. I have not changed details or added anything in the name of creative license. This story is true. But I also know that memory isn't as good as we humans would like to think it is. The certainty with, with which we perceive our memories is really just a part of our interpretation of it all. They do, in fact, begin changing and morphing almost immediately after being processed. One of the top five impactful books, actually, of my adult reading life, and I think I've mentioned this, is called Being Wrong, Adventures in the Margins of Error by Katherine Schultz. It does a wonderful job of detailing how our memories work and don't work and why confidence in being right uh, can often turn out to be wrong, actually. I highly recommend it. But, but this wasn't my friend just him saying this. His mom chimed in. My mom had been called to see if I had gone home. Several people were looking for me while I was apparently experiencing a three-hour panic attack, basically in the wide open. The wall had been cleared, right? And I was right next to it. And I think, I believe that I'm remembering this as it's been lodged in my brain all this time. I have been prone, for better or worse, to live a self-examined life almost for my entire existence. And so this was a significant moment in my youth, among other similar ones where I had also felt like I had disappeared. And all of them revolved around doing something wrong, getting found out, and then freezing in the moment out of fear. Fear can be very, well, frightening, right? Now, that panic attack in New York City, it did not involve freezing out of panic. Thank God, I certainly would not have survived it in that case. Now, nothing more was ever really uncovered about that experience and others like it, actually. Uh, and as you can tell, it has stuck with me. And I think it does an adequate job of expressing just how deeply fear has impacted me. And not only deeply, but broadly, it has been like bad fertilizer that I've used to try to grow myself. One of the most impactful and far-reaching ways that fear has uh, manifested itself in my life is doubt. From doubting my answers to doubting my qualifications to doubting nearly all decisions. I mean, maybe not all decisions, right? We make tens of thousands of little decisions every day, uh, but, you know, many of them colored with doubt. Now, I, I, I didn't doubt that I should marry my wife, and I don't doubt uh, that I should be continuing to help people live their strongest and healthiest lives. So not every decision, but lots and lots of mine are driven by doubt. In fact, I've been listening to a, a wonderful series of talks by Joseph Goldstein, who's a highly regarded Buddhist uh, Buddhism and meditation teacher here in the U.S., um, runs the Insight Meditation Society. And I don't remember who the quote is attributed to, and he shared it in a recent lecture, but it says, living a life through doubt 
is like choosing immobility as a mode of transportation. Living through doubt is like choosing immobility as a mode of transportation. That really does sum it up. Seems quite apt, actually, for this story now that I think about it. I've come a long way in the past several years to overcoming this issue. And once again, Stoicism and and Buddhism are partially a thank, but so is the sharpening of my view that I, I, I have of my goals and my desires and my mission. Certainty of memory is almost always, uh, well, I mean, you're almost always guaranteed to be a little wrong, no matter how confident you are. But being certain about a choice can do so much to move our lives forward. It may not be the best decision and it may require some contemplation, but then you just make it and move on. Get it wrong and start again. It can do so much to reduce fear. And I dare say, actually, that reducing fear has reduced my doubt, which in turn has reduced my fear. At least that's how I see it for me. And I have no doubt at all that, that it's true. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>